Greetings everyone and this is episode 5 of In The Change Room made just for you by Bright Rock. My name is Kaunda Ntunja. I'm a super sport commentator. I'm the guy who makes a hell of a lot of noise on Tosa commentary um, and also the anchor of the Paga Rugby Show. I'm joined today, as always, by uh, the regular guest of the show, uh, Johan Kutsia, rugby editor of Supersport.com, as well as a veteran rugby journal, Simnigiwe Abanisa. Funny enough, Simnigiwe, Sim uh, wrote a piece on me uh, when I was <laughs> playing, it says schools, when I was in matric. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's bloody ages ago uh, and, and actually to do the interview i had to call i had to call into the hostel where yeah. he was where, where you hit where the, the hostel whatever yeah. yeah and i had to <laughs> and i had to call into the hostel it's almost like literally the hostel tiki box to to basically be able to you know to talk to him and but I, I had a cell phone and, though Sim. No, it wasn't on a cell phone. It was but literally a on a landline. Phone. Oh, d- yeah. sorry. You guys had obviously, I'd, I'd been at the school six years before <laughs> and the yeah. same hostel. So I still knew the, you know, the ticky box number. So I could just call in and just say, listen, can I speak to this guy? Please? Yeah. So yeah, it's very interesting. It's a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, I remember ago, that, like that conversation. That was what, flip, 19, 20 years ago. Uh, and um, he, uh, one of the questions he asked me was, what is your weakness? And I was thinking... Why the hell are you going to ask me what is my weakness when I've, you know, I'm not meant to be showing any weakness. Um, but, what did but, I say? So, but, but as an older man, you understand now, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Sabela Sanatla and you're listening to In The Change Room. Jan, how's the, how's the World Cup, um, you know, treating you? Oh man, we're nice and busy. Uh, it's, uh, that's a lovely World Cup, isn't it? Mm. It's, uh, so it's messy rugby with the conditions, but I mean, it's, games are competitive and the all the teams are there with the right spirit. So yeah, I've I've been enjoying it so far. Mm, I've 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 really loved the upsets. Come to think of it, if we do get a chance to go deep into it, that island um, um, island Japan game, I'd like to us to discuss really how much of an upset is it really? Because um, I look at Japan in the last four years, and I looked at Ireland in 2019. And not just in the Six Nations, but in the games leading to um, to the World Cup, you know, getting pumped by 50 points uh, by England, for example. Um, they sort of were slightly dipping. Yes, they did quite well against Wales, but um, when we get an opportunity, I want to go into depth in, in that game specifically. But let's kick things off talking about the Springboks. Damien Willemser uh, has been called up into the squad. Uh, obviously, uh, Jesse Krill, has, um, his hamstring is not, hasn't come good. And Damien Willemsa has been called in. Sim, is that a good call? Is, that, is he the right replacement for an outside center stroke wing stroke fullback? Jeez, um, I mean, I'll start by saying ob- the obvious thing is that he was the next cab out of the taxi rank in terms of, you know, the guys on standby. And one of the things he'd done, remember, as he said, you know, all the guys on standby had to be playing rugby, mm. you know, and obviously one of the things he'd done was to go to Saracens to specifically to make sure that he was getting some rugby sure. in. And obviously somebody somebody helpfully sort of sent that clip of him, you know, stepping a lot of people and creating <laughs> a try. Sure. So that, that kind of put him, you know, um, foremost in terms of everybody's mind. So he was always the first cab out of the 
taxi rank. But in terms of whether he's he's the right replacement or not, that's that's really up for debate. Simply because they lost an outside centre, they've yeah. only got two. And and that is such a specialist position. Oh, oh, they've only they only had two. I'm saying in the squad, they've only got two outside centres. And now they've lost right one. now. Yeah, yeah. Well, they only had. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, only yeah, had. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, then sorry. and then now that's been taken away. Mm. And 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 I think you know if you if you think about the box and, and as Johan says, that's a that's a specialist position. You know, you don't just turn up and deputize at that outside centre. You need to know what it is you're doing. Although with the way that the box defend, as in, you know, they defend with the wings instead of the, the, the centres to, to enforce the, you know, their rush defence. Although that number 13 um, of ours always yeah. shoots up. Yeah, you still need to, you know, you still need to be sort of mm. involved in, 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 in that kind of, you know, in those kind of intricacies. So in that sense, I'm not sure he's the right guy. And another reason I'm not necessarily sure is, um, as much as I'm, I'm madly in love with this guy, and oh, oh, look, um, I, I honestly think he's, he's basically he'll, he'll be the next Conrad Smith in terms of how he plays. Sure. He's a smart, neat player. He does, he does almost unseen things in attack and in defence. You know, he's basically he's, he's poisonous. You know, he, mm. you know, by the time he's killed you, you don't even know he actually did. <laughs> he's that kind of guy. But he's just, he's just hasn't quite. In the green jersey, he hasn't quite um, carried that form, especially the form he had in Super Rugby this year. And so what I'm saying is we, we probably weren't 100% sure about the 13 to start with. And so you probably felt that Creel still had um, claims. Look, I, I honestly think Lukanya is a better player than, than Jesse. Mm. Jesse's a better athlete, but, you know, that's a story for another day. So I, I don't know. Given that, I'm not, I'm, not, um, I'm not sure it's the right replacement because what does it mean going forward? You know, um, you know. Can I can I add yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. yeah, my own theory about this is that when he called up Damien, he didn't do it to replace Jesse. He did it to get backup for Franz Stein, oh, because Franz is your bench specialist and he covers fly half, inside centre, and fullback, and Damien can do that. Mm. Um, so what is Alton doing then? I don't know. Why is Alton never on the bench? He's play, He's a starter in the dirt tracker team, but he's never on the bench because he can cover only ten. So. No, but um, but you hold on, Johan. <clears throat> so, <laughs> when when you when you when you look at the situation, there's so many factors that you have to you know bear in mind. The style of play, what is Rossi actually looking from from a, from a 13, uh, and what does he need from a 12? So, for me, I think that Lukanya Am could potentially play as a 12 as well. Very talented yeah. uh, bowler, but not the type of a 12 for this game plan. Yeah, obviously, he yeah. needs a big guy who's gonna bang it up. Not a basher, yeah. So, Esther Hazen, uh, uh Lindy, Franz Stein types. Now, when when you take Jesse Creel out of the mix, who is obviously, um, Sim has already spoken about as an athlete, should you because we, we covered in all these positions, should 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 shouldn't Lionel Mapu? Have been a better option to replace Jesse Creel than 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 uh, than uh, yes Damon yes Vinokur. the next in line at that thirteen was was him and Franz Fenter. Uh but the thing is how much time did they spend in the build up with this with this World Cup squad not a lot mm. so I think in Russi's mind it's easier to take Damien who's been in the build up and understands the system and all those kind of things and turn him into a thirteen than it is to take a thirteen specialist and. So introduce him to the spring and, and try and catch up two years of, of, mm. of built knowledge. I don't know. It's a strange one. That's the, the, those are my conspiracies. Yeah, the, uh, one of the last times that Mapu played for the box, he scored two tries mm. against Argentina in, um, in Argentina. Now, I hear what you're saying, Jan, in terms of the guys being part of the mix and all of that. Uh, 
uh, when you tell me that Damien could potentially play 13, I get very worried I because now we're experimenting that, yeah. at the World that, Cup. Yeah. But having said that, Scott Brits played eight mm. at number yeah, eight exactly. <laughs> in a World Cup. Okay, so, so let's 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 throw that question around the mm. table, and and I touch wood while I say this: if if Lacan Arm gets injured, mm. who, who would you play at 13? In in this current in this mix. current squad, yeah. Well, I think the only the only two people that have played 13 before in some some way, shape or form would have been would, would be Franz Dane and, and Damien Yelende, actually. I'm pretty sure Damien's played 13 at Stormers earlier on in his career when they were still trying to accommodate both him and John de Villiers mm, in the midfield. Mm. Um, that's that's the only two other guys who have played 13. Well, actually, there's a third um, for the Bulls, Warwick Halland. No, but come on. He has. I'm, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I'm yeah. Saying. Just he talking has, first. I'm talking before, first, yeah. guys who have mm. played 13, and then after that, you know, then then after that, we can start talking about basically somebody somebody makeshift as opposed to somebody who actually has oh, played. Okay. But those are your three three options in terms of somebody who has played it, and 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 this is a problem. You cannot, you know, you you, you can't play on the basis of. I have a gut feel, for instance, I have a gut feel that um, Geland would make a, a good 12. Again, not for this not for this game plan. Mm. It just wouldn't work. But, you know, for that to happen, he'd have to play a full season of Super Rugby mm. in that position. And then you can start, you know, having, you know, having talks about it. But, I, yeah, those are the three options that you have. I, I, th- I think Geland, we need to start looking at Geland being a more of a utility player. The reason why I say this... Because of injuries, now this is an unpopular opinion, but uh, because of injuries, Geland has lost a lot of pace. Yeah. He's lost saw, a hell saw, of a lot of I pace. S- I saw him get caught after after being put into a gap. Yeah. You would not, two years ago, you would yeah. not have seen that from Geland. Geland has lost a lot of pace. Now, I'm starting to worry. Um, in the past, Geland would have been a guy we look at as an outside back. Uh, so wing, stroke, fullback. I... Th- Right now, I wouldn't want to see Khalan play wing, to be honest with you, because of the of the of the amount of pace that is lost. Potentially center, uh, Sim, I'm, I'm not in disagreement with you. Potentially center and, of course, fullback. But if you looked at him, if you watched him at, at the Bulls this season, he kicked a lot, actually. He played more of a tactical type of a fullback mm-hmm. uh, as compared to years uh, gone by well, where he was full out of attack. Yeah. So I think potentially because of... <laughs> he had to adjust because of his of the pace is lost. That's actually put him in good stead with Rassi Rasmus, actually. That, okay, this guy's actually got a bag of tricks and he can actually do a whole lot more. But I want to I wanna move forward, um, uh, Johan. Springboks Italy. Is there a possibility of Italy beating the box in a huge upset? Of course, there's always a possibility. Will it happen? No. Um, if you ask me. So, um, so how is that a possibility? <laughs> it's a theoretical possibility. But what I like about this... Is uh, it possible or is it probable? Uh, Possibles yeah. and probables. Yeah, ne- <laughs> never confuse the impossible with the implausible. This is implausible. <laughs> okay, so so what, what I think here is that Rashi's clearly said, with, with all those locks on the bench, he's clearly said <clears throat> this is a game that will be won in the second half by the biggest back. And that's his selections. And if it is that, and if we can play a game that is about that, of course we'll win. If we get distracted and start running the ball in, in, in humid conditions, then Italy, then we bring them into the game. As long as we keep it tight and, and, and at the front, I can't see them competing. 
I'm just surprised that, um, geez, at, at, at how seriously we we taking Italy. Granted, you know, obviously they beat us two years ago, but it's because of Japan. Some, but we talk, Japan. but we talking about a team here that how many games have they won before the World Cup? How many games that they won? They've really struggled in Six yeah. Nations. They got hammered in the they, warm up they, games. They they were in something like a nine ten game losing streak mm. and yes of course um one of the things you have to do is you have to give them respect for the fact that actually they're the top team statistically in in group b because they've got you know they got 10 points and you know the box and the, and the all blacks are second and third mm. and but but I, I i just i just can't see this you know it, it feels like that many forwards on the bench feels like overkill for for a team that's, like, a, that's a must win that's why we take it serious it's a must win because lose that game and we're out so, but 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 um, uh, Sim, I want to harp on something that you've just raised now. The amount of forwards we got on the on the bench. I looked at Italy's last game, which was against Canada. So they scored seven tries there to one. A bulk of those tries was through a bullying Canada up front. So they had you know Bramstein at number eight yeah. and all of that. And I think Rossi took a look at that and was like, okay. Italy looks like they are preparing through this game for the box game, mm. where they're going to keep it tight. They want to match us man for man uh, up front, which I think is a big mistake. Yeah, good uh, luck to them. It's though. a huge mistake because I, I, I honestly think the box have probably got the best pack uh, in the tournament. And, and reserve pack, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. So um, it looks like that's what they wanted to do, uh, match us up front. But don't forget that Conor Shea has beaten the box before, uh, when we were under Tutti, under Alistair Kutsia. Yes. So M- Most people did yeah, so, back then. So, <laughs> so <laughs> when he, he made a statement before the World Cup that Italy is going to beat the box. Mm. So it's quite clear. And that, he's done that months ago, yeah. Yeah, it's quite clear that uh, his focus is on the Springbok game. And it's a straight knockout game. Mm. It's a straight, you can call it a round of 16 or whatever, but it's a yeah. straight knockout game, this one. And... We can't say it's impossible because, like we said, we saw Uruguay beat Fiji. We've seen uh, Japan beat Ireland. Um, Johan, I want to talk about Japan and Ireland. Okay, throw throw it at me. What did you think about that game? Um, I thought different than Brighton, Japan actually were in control for most of that game. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a lucky win at the end that they all of a sudden woke up in the last five minutes. This one they worked for. That, that entire second half, they kept Ireland scoreless, and, and that's really tough to do. And, uh, I mean, they, they had all the possession they kept on playing. They were, if we can say Ireland was shell-shocked, but, you know, they can't be that surprised. They've seen Japan play before. Yes, yes, the interesting thing was, was that an upset? That was your, your question earlier. Um, here's a stat I'm going to throw at you. Ireland has played against the host nation five times in a Rugby World Cup. This was their fifth loss. That's just such a strange. It's such a strange mentality. I mean, you can't look at. You've got to look at Ireland. You got to look at Ireland. Yes, you know we harp on about they. You know they they World Cup history, which is they've never advanced beyond a quarterfinal. Mm. Yeah, I get that, but geez, that that loss to Japan for me made absolutely no sense. It's almost as if they turned up. Not attuned to the fact that it was an important game, you know. You know, the, I think they the put box, all this, they, they, the they, box in the warm up game for the first game, the Scotland game. Yeah, Ireland. maybe that's what happened yeah. because they, you know, they had to rest um, Sexton, and that's that's maybe the other issue. If you want to talk about Ireland's form, mm. maybe that's the other issue. But Sexton is an is an incredible fly in terms sure. of how he can mix it up 
and you know how high experienced he is, how he how he knows what it is that he's doing, and and you put him with Murray, you know, put him together with Murray. You got guys that can move the chains in terms of a rugby game, but you know he's, he's thirty four years old. Um, you know, and and Ireland are not exactly the All Blacks, as as was the case maybe with a Dan Carter at the last World Cup, and so I think I think it's quite a Ireland as a result are suddenly a much more vulnerable team than we thought mm. they were in November last year. Mm. You know, we thought they were such a strong team, we thought they were the the raging favourites for for this tournament. They're, they're but also no longer a surprise package. Yeah, they, that's they surprised the thing. us. People, they surprised um, New Zealand. Yeah, yeah and, and and with a pretty simple game plan, but. Now when you play Ireland, you know that you know what, what they're going to bring you. Now they want to play you. I but think I think also that the conditions undid them because mm. you know they very much. I mean they 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 kick a fair bit and they kick well, um, but actually essentially they're a team that starves you of of possession. They just basically go through mm. the chains like that. And I think if you're going to try and, and and play that kind of game in Japan right now, I know that the the weather's going to change soon in about a week or two. Suddenly, you know that the, the humidity is going to go and, and the temperatures are going to drop. But just um, for the playoffs yeah exactly so so I, I i don't know i don't know if they if they game works for it i think one they turned up um, obviously mentally not quite up not not quite prepared for it and secondly you know they you know they they, they decided they were going to play their, their own game you know at, at all costs and it and it cost them simply because japan obviously are more used to those conditions and and you know jamie joseph's been going on about how they train at 25 percent above match pace or match intensity mm. you look at them you're like yeah you're talking rubbish man. But, but when you were watching those Japanese sure. in the last 20 minutes you knew which team was the stronger team so the donors. yeah I, I, I wanted to add my little two cents to this Japan Island so first of all a lot of pundits were saying before the tournament that Ireland doesn't have the depth um, now, I, I want to speak specifically about the halfbacks. So you got Conor Murray, arguably the best scrum half in the world. You got Fly Half, Johnny Sexton, World Player of the Year 2018. And then the next tier of guys uh, at Fly Half, Carberry, uh, Carty, those guys. Nowhere near Sexton. Mm -mm. And um, now with Sexton not playing this game, and you look at Japan in the years leading to this, they only lost by three points to Wales at Cardiff, in Cardiff. Yeah. They beat France in France. Uh, they, they were unbeaten in the Pacific Nations Cup. So they swept the Fijians, the Samoans, all of these guys away comfortably. Now, they, 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 they were not the same Japan that played in 2015. More structured, aware of exactly what they wanted to do. This upset was a funny upset for me. It was like um, watching Andy Ruiz beat Anthony Joshua. <laughs> so Andy Ruiz, it was an upset, but Andy Ruiz outboxed Anthony Joshua. Clean from round one until the end when Joshua said no mas. So uh, for, for me, that's what happened with Japan. And if you look at the stats, Japan made much more meters, more runs, more carries over the gain line, more passes, more defenders beaten. Ireland, obviously, more tackles. Um, that tackle percentage, they were on 93%, I think. And then Ireland, only low, low 80s. And, and where it all... the condition and attitude. Conditioning mm. and attitude. And, and where it all started, Sim, was the scrum. That is where it all started. Now, these guys, Ireland had Ty Furlong, Kian Healy, Rory Best. Those are the British and Irish lines. Mm. Great. Uh, Ty Furlong... A lot of people argue is the best tight end in the world. 
Keita inagaki, shota hori, kinzu what ziwunku. Those are the guys that held them. <laughs> and they even got a tighter against them. So Same uh, we know it's the commentator, yeah. <laughs> well done. No, no, no. <laughs> so I'm starting to think who are these guys? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I've got you you and I just copy yeah. and paste. This yeah, guy has no, to... <laughs> I've, I've, no, I've got the notes. Uh, so the, these guys for me, by holding them in the scrum, actually negated one of the core strengths of Ireland. Mm. And from there it went to a ball of yeah. Okay, so yeah. On, on on that point. Mm. What kind of threat do they hold if they were to go through and, and we play them in the quarterfinals? What threat, What kind of threat do they hold for the Springboks? Uh, let me let me try and answer that go first. For it, I know I know the Springboks played played them in the warm up game mm. and and Rusty was very nervous about that game because well as he put it he didn't want a sequel, you know to to the Brighton movie. Mm. Fair enough. Comprehensively, Japan would comprehensively be beaten. It would be totally different if if the two teams met in the quarterfinal again, simply because obviously how much confidence you know Japan would have would have earned you know since since the last meeting, and then over and above that the fact that they have beaten the box at a World Cup before, and obviously I mean the support is going to be moggy um, you know come the quarterfinals and over and above that the Springboks uh, mentally as a team. They, they're a very strange team. Springboks are at their best when they're underdogs. That's why, in a strange way, I was I was actually relieved that they lost to the All Blacks because what it does then it it puts them in in their comfort zone. Their comfort zone is in the underdog sort of space. Whereas you know going into that All Black game, the, the box were the more settled side. Mm. Um, the box were you know they they you know they were favoured to win. You know the. You know, you you wouldn't have been surprised if the box won, and because they lost, you know, a lot of people then wrote them off. That's when the box are at their absolute best. That's how they play. So now, if the two teams were to meet again in in, in a quarterfinal, the box would go in as favourites based on what happened the last time. Mm. You know, and that's not a good thing for the box because they they just don't play well with that. You know, with the favourites tag, it's such a strange thing. We, you know, Rossi's fixed a lot of things with this box team. You know, they're better planned. They they they're much more meticulous in what they do, but the mentality remains the same. All box teams that I've watched since I started covering rugby, it's strange. They love being underdogs. It's a very important place for them to be for them to be able to do their best. Also, Japan still needs to be Scotland. Well, this uh, is the before thing. Before we even get to uh, whether we're going to play Japan in the quarterfinals or not, because. Um, uh, obviously now things have changed during the World Cup, but before the World Cup, you would say Japan are the underdogs against mm. Scotland. So that, there's a there's a hell of a lot that's still on the table, you know, to to to. Well, if you, to if fight you compare for. the Japanese team that played against Ireland and the Scottish team that played against Ireland, I know who's the favourites for me now. No, uh, exactly. I just love the fact that that is the last game of the of pool play. And that's going to be probably outside Springbok games, the one we all want to watch the most. Yeah. Is, is that game? It's uh, it's it's set up as, because it's two well-matched teams. Now that we think about it, it's in Japan. You said the crowd's going crazy mm. there. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a lovely occasion. And, but and, and that's a Scotland side, Jan, that's going to play against Japan is totally different to the Scottish side that lost to Ireland. If you if you watch both Scottish games, uh, the, the 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 Irish game and the Samoan game. Mm. I don't know how much you've been watching uh, uh, Scotland during the Six Nations and in the build-up. They've got this thing of the ball is always moving, yeah. like a tikka-taka yeah. sort of thing of rugby. Now they tried that against Ireland, 
uh, if you look at the stats, much more passes from Scotland, and they got hammered. Uh, first of all, the conditions obviously weren't great. Um, they weren't used to uh, the humidity as well of Japan. They changed the, the way that they played completely against Scotland. They were kicking a hell of a lot more balls from Greg Laidlaw. They were kicking cross kicks from uh, uh, Finn Russell. So their style of play had just changed mid-tournament. Yeah. So Gregor Townsend said, listen guys, hold back. We need to change, otherwise we're going to be really in kakia. Yeah. Uh, and then they changed all of that. And I think the Scottish side that's going to play against Japan is either going to beat Japan or is going to push Japan right until the death. Well, they need they need they needed to play against that you know, that way against Samoa mm. because if you are playing against, you know, the, the general rule in rugby is you know, if you're playing, you know, if you're playing against a team, a broken play, a team that likes to play in broken play, you got to bore them to tears. You know, you basically got to, you know, use your kicking play territory and basically make sure that, you know, they don't see enough sort of, um, you know, loose ball as it were. And and I think, you know, they had to play that way. And granted, they seem to have stumbled into a way that works. But now, how, how long have they spent trying to play, you know, the tiki-taka, as you put it? Mm. You know, you don't suddenly go, oh, this is what we're trying to play. You know, with the box, you know exactly what you're going to get because they've decided nothing's going to change, which is why the center, the inside center is not going to change because they need the inside center to be a big guy, who, you know, who bashes it up. And so I'm just, I'm just saying um, this, you know, it's one thing to change against a poor team like um, to change your team DNA or your playing DNA against a team like Scotland. But it's quite another to play, you know, to do that against a team, you know, with, with, with higher pedigree. And clearly, on the, in this sense, Japan must be. Although Japan also are a, a typically sort of broken play sure. type team. Yeah. The, the trick with Scotland, I know this is unpopular and you never say that about a team, but you get to Finn Russell and you win the game. Actually. Everything goes around. The entire Tikataka game. It revolves around him. He's got great hands. He's got great step. He's got great vision. Sure. But he's at ten, and if you can get to him, they don't have a lot else left. All right, guys. On that note, as we do in each episode, we listen to a snippet from halftime chat with Sivan Gersi, and this week he's speaking to sprinter turned sevens rugby player Elisa Conley. So you were approached by Paul Dalport, who's been a friend of mine since grade eight. Tell him I say hi. I've known him for years, an incredible rugby player. And they approached you to join the women's sevens team. So you're like the Isles of South Africa. Tell us about that process and how it happened. It's been crazy. Like I wake up every morning thinking I'm in a dream, but <laughs> then I have to go train and it's back to reality. So it's been tough because I mean, I've been a sprinter for 21 years. So it's like my body is programmed in a, in a certain way, you know, just straight line running and not to have to develop new movement patterns at the age of 28, it's mm. absolutely insane. I always say I wish there was just like a chip that I could insert into my into my motherboard, my brain, and it would just adapt. But I think, you know, just with maintenance, getting physio, um, you know, being watched by the SNC, you know, making sure that I'm doing enough loading, um, you know, I'm doing certain movements, but supervised movements. Mm. It's, it's helping. Um, obviously, I won't get injured that way. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so it's, it's, but it's, it's really tough. Like muscles that I never knew existed are uh, having to work and wake up and it's crazy. But you've been affected so. by a lot of injuries, right? Yeah. And how has that treated your confidence when you do anything in your life? 
I mean, you know, in the beginning when I was affected with the injuries, I had a lot of doubt. You know, I wasn't really confident, but I just reached a point where I realized that I have to push through and create new limits for myself in terms of injuries. And once I reach that point, I do everything at 100%. Now I don't go into a challenge thinking about injury. I mean, it took me four years to get back to, you know, full speed. And in that time, obviously, I was battling with a lot of injuries, hip operation, and it was more mental thing to get back. And I, I saw one of my doctors and he was like, look, Alyssa, we've tried everything. So you basically just got to push through the pain now and create new limits. So like you said, it's, it's your mind. Your mind creates that limitation that, oh, my gosh, I have to stop now because I'm feeling a little twig, a little, a little, you know, a little niche. But I think if you push past that point, you'll create a new limit. Mm-hmm. And every time by creating a new limit, you'll eventually just, you know, build the strength again. Interesting story indeed. Be sure to listen to the full-length interview on Halftime Chat with Sir Vengesi. To find it, search for In The Change Room on uh, Iono FM, iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Now, speaking about this lady, um, Alyssa Conley. Sim, you know quite a bit about her. Please share. Yeah, look, I, I obviously did the story when she when she made the conversion, um, and at the time, you know, actually they literally broke broke the story on on April Fool's Day, and so a lot of people, you know, a lot of people didn't believe it, and you know, you know, on people kept kept going back to her and saying, yeah, oh, nice, you know, nice April Fool's joke and whatever and whatever, mm. and then she had to tell them, no, no, actually it's true that I'm I'm doing this. So what happened there was um, Paul Delport basically decided, having having gone to the last you know World Cup with his team and done badly, he decided that you know what was sorely lacking in his team was speed. And he then devised a plan around that, which was he would recruit from outside rugby because he felt that, you know, the answer wasn't within rugby. Very unpopular decision within rugby, by the way. Um, but he went ahead. I don't know if you've met Paul. Paul's very uh, headstrong. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, I, just I, to say I, the I, least. I met him and I played against him. He was yeah, a exactly. nippish come off back in his days. Yeah, so so anyway, he, he decided that he was going to go and do this recruitment himself. Um, and, you know, they, they identified Elisa. Elisa went to the last Olympics in 20. 16 so obviously that's um, you know that's that speed and abundance and I think they caught her at the right time in terms of where she was mentally and like she says in the you know in in, in the interview you know she had to learn you know she'd never touched a, a rugby ball mm. you know before that never worn rugby boots and suddenly you know there she was having to to do all of this she's, stuff. she's got a skills coach doesn't she yeah um so what she's done is um they 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 because you have to train differently to play rugby, you know, if you, you know, if you're an athlete, I mean, a great example to make is, is, is Wade Vanika sort of mm-hmm. writing off his knee playing touch rugby because he didn't understand that, you know, you have, you know, to, to, you don't just step, you have to actually practice stepping as well. And so it was one of those, so that's what happened. And then they had to, train her in terms of you know how to be a rugby player gave her a program her sister is actually the conditioning coach at highlands park the psl team mm. and so what she does is when she's in Joburg, she trains with her sister and then over and above that as johan says her skills coach is um, well her skills coaches include one um Tobani Bobo, you know, with these old shadow ball things. So it's Tobani and I think Selim Gavo, who played for the Lions and I think the Pumas. He was a winger, yeah. Yeah, a winger um, recently. So those guys are a skills coach. And basically the 
there's quite a an intensified program to to make sure that she's ready for their qualifiers, the Olympic qualifiers um, on the continent, um, which is coming up soon. I'm not. I'm just not sure about the date. Uh, I think the first time we'll see you on TV will be the Cape Town Sevens. Yeah. As far as I know, it's planned for that. I don't know if there's been. A yeah, the, the qualifiers would have mm. been before that, but you know, obviously that that'll probably be the first time South Africans see it playing. And it is a program. This thing, um, Paul's decided to go sort of, um, you know, pedal to the metal with the whole thing. Well, if you'll pardon the the speed mm. pun, um, basically he's decided to go down that path. He had trials in 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 in, in Pretoria, Durban, and and Cape Town, I think, where basically he's trying. He's in, invited athletes from all walks of life to to. Come and try, you know, obviously they're going to do basic drills to see if they've got, you know, the, the basic sort of raw speed. And then, you know, they're going to pick some. It was like almost like a reality TV type um, show. And so they're going to pick pick some of them and they're going to do the same thing with them. So that's what's going on with Women's 7, you know, 7. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love that idea I, yeah. because I agree. Uh, in, in general, in, in the men's rugby sport, the be- the better athletes tend to drift towards that at school already. So you're, you're picking from a pool of athletes when you yeah. when you pool, pick the men's team, whereas in women's not necessarily, because uh, the better athletes would do either track and field or they would play netball or hockey or something like that. So all the, the people that do play rugby traditionally um, aren't necessarily. That was like a, a third or fourth sport, you know. Mm-hmm. That's uh, because they couldn't. They weren't. They weren't. They weren't good enough at the other sports, so they they picked up rugby now. Go for those athletes. If, if sevens pays well, go for, get the actual athletes and make them play. And in Australia, men's side, mm. apparently there is a guy who's quicker than Colin Miles. Yeah, I remember that, him. He's, uh, he's the guy with the, with the, with the big quads. Yeah, he's a big guy, is, yeah. Um, apparently, so they're trying to turn that guy into a rugby player as well. Yeah, he ran He ran in, in last year's Commonwealth Games. Yeah. I just forget I think his he ran name a, now. 10-0 something. Yeah, yeah or, I think his yeah. I think his nickname is Quadzilla. Because he's got such big quads. Yeah, um, speaking about this lady, Alyssa. So from what I hear, that she's actually got size as well. So if you've got power, um, pace, and size, um, you can actually go very far. Um, I, I remember watching uh, Portia Woodman from New Zealand. Mm. Oh, my goodness. One of the tries that she scored in the World Cup was... Arguably the best try I've ever seen, men or women. Um, the way that she shifts the ball from her left side to her right side when the contact comes from the, 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 the left and shifts it again, spins out of tackles, bursts through tackles and goes with speed. I mean, I, I looked at Portia and I was like, you know, the, a young guy, a young man trying to learn about the game can actually watch Portia and learn a lot from her. And Has to know, watch. Has yeah. to watch. Yeah, there's a... Although, speaking of athleticism, you were telling Sim, you were telling us about a video you saw about Sia doing some kind of amazing butterfly plank. Yeah, <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> Look, I'm, I, I, think I, I think I only invented the, the word butterfly plank, but essentially, you know, he went into a push-up stance and then when he, you know, when he, when he came up, he just basically exploded off and then he was parallel to the ground, sort of with arms stretched out in Superman style in front of him and his legs stretched out in the back and so somebody caught that on on camera it was at the end of the springbok training session and you know they did it in slow motion for effect and so <laughs> so yeah it was one of the funny things i saw watching it or what i thought watching it was yeah you know what he's you know he's he's haters and and unfortunately he has a lot of those um and i still don't understand where that comes from his haters are probably going to be like yeah he's only flying because he can't walk on water yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 we do know though people that 
most certainly are not amongst his haters are the Eastern Cape people. Yeah, and, tell, tell, uh, tell us about that, please. No, he's, uh, gee, man. The Eastern Cape, Johan, I think that, you know, I had a chat with Makai Jack, who's a former, um, uh, he played for the old Guaru mm. back in the apartheid era. Uh, and play, also uh, played Springboks, which was Saru mm. back then. Um, and he felt when Sia was made the Springbok captain that it was right up there for him because of everything that he had gone through during the apartheid era. Uh, and uh, they used rugby to try and fight apartheid back then. And he felt... Everything that he had suffered, all the losses he had suffered in his life and everything that he had, everyone around him had suffered in his life, to see Sia become the Springbok captain for him was one of the greatest moments in South Africa. Oh man, I've got the hair on. Not, 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 <laughs> not, not only in sport, but just South Africa in general, mm. because he felt that they sacrificed everything to open the doors for all of those they were coming after them. And it wasn't in vain. They can see now why exactly, they did it. Exactly, exactly. I think inspirationally wise for, for young guys, I mean, coming from Guida, showing there is a way out. Did you just combine the Guido squad and Zwede? <laughs> and, so and come up with a place called Guido. Is there no place like Guido? No, it's Zwede. Well, there's one now. There's, there's, <laughs> there's Guede, though. There's Guede. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's, there's a pathway out. Uh, you don't... You, yeah. if, if you're born into poverty, if you, if you want to and, you, and, you, and you've got the willpower... There's your Springbok captain. And what, a, what an amazing story. What an inspiration. Not only to Eastern Cape kids, yeah. to everyone in this country. The, if you want to, rugby is the way for you out of whatever your problems is. But, but I want to I wanna, I wanna touch on that um, in terms of people that grow up in poverty uh, who try and make it in professional sport. Now, I spent quite a lot of time in the old Transkei era in the last, um, uh, in the last two years speaking to rugby clubs and rugby coaches and young players trying to make it. They feel, and rightfully so, that most of their players who come from poverty-stricken areas are not going to make it in 15s because of nutrition. Mm. So what they're trying to push from their side is to try and get their players in the sevens setup because you don't have to be the biggest guy to be um, a, a hell of a sevens player. But... If you're going to play 15s, there's always this notion, you're too small, you're too this, you're too... And because of the amount of contact you take, if you're not, um, if you don't, if you're not, uh, if you don't have a correct nutrition, mm. you'll end up getting injured more often than not. I've got a, I've got a, a, a opposite opinion on that. Not really opposite, but an opposite suggestion to make, and that is for SA Rugby and corporate sponsors to go into that heartland of rugby mm. and open academies where as from a young age you got the best equipment the best coaching quality opposition that you play against and as you say nutrition mm. and and it's, it'll cost money but if, if i mean there, there's there's got to be a couple of rands left for for some of the corporates here and sa rugby will run that and and if, if you can if you imagine you've got four in the old trans you've got four clubs let's call them clubs academies that can compete with graham what would that mean for for rugby in South Africa? Look, my, my instead of is, just going to sevens, I'll, I'll let some talk and then I'm going to answer you thereafter. Look, I just think um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's what, 27 years since, since unity in, 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 in rugby. And, you know, the, there have been so many ways to try and skin the, the transformation cat, as it were. Um, and and I, I just think, you know, we, 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 we've missed a, maybe the, the most obvious one, which is you, you need to take rugby to where the guys are, like, like Johan says. You, this whole thing that you have to, you know, for you to, you know, to become a rugby player, you've got to go to, you know, the former Model C school at least yeah. or, and, you know, basically start off with a scholarship and whatnot. I, I, I think that's just rubbish. You, you, need to, you need to work out where the talent is and basically try and be on the doorstep of so the can talent. I, can I give yeah. you my opinion on that? Yeah. If we talk about transformation, the first thing you have to do is ask when are we transformed? And I've got an answer to that question. We are transformed the day that border country districts wins, uh, wins Graden Week. Yeah. And it's as simple as that. That is what we work towards. And once all those all those things are leveled so that the, the, the areas that, that it's, it's, you're it's talking got levels. about. I mean, if you look at Magazole um, Mapimpi mm. making this, not only the Springbok squad, from, in, you know, from a school that, I have never heard of, and I'm from the Eastern Cape. I'm literally, I would have been, what, 50 kilometers at most. It's probably in that there. town that I, that I just yeah. mentioned earlier. Yeah, exactly, that place. <laughs> so, so, you know, you, you, if, if you can get that, it does, it does, it does show you glimpses of what what's can possible. happen, of what's possible. And as a result, I think then we need to, to not let the trail sort of run cold. You know, if you've got a Magazole Mapimpi from that, from, 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 from Cholonga, then maybe, just maybe, you should have a closer look at Cholonga as a place, as a, as a rugby factory. I mean, he talks about, he you, talks you, about the old trans You wanted to answer guy, me, yeah. And the old trans guy produces big guys like him. And, you know, we, we, we complain that, oh, we don't have enough props and locks and, mm. and, 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 you know, all these big guys. They're all there in the trans car. I've met guys from the trans car. They're sim, big sim, boys. Sim, 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 yeah. sim. We've got a... We've got a, a you know, I I hear you guys are speaking about you know the ideal situation. It's like um, it's like talking about the perfect atom. Now, guys, we got a huge issue because of our past uh, of apartheid and because of poverty and and all those sort of things. We got issues with finances in the Eastern mm -hmm. Cape. Okay, now border rugby. It's almost the, the the union's almost shut down. Okay, now when you come with this brilliant idea of putting money in there, um, opening up academies, those academies have been getting <laughs> have been opened. <laughs> I think the, the the recent one about a year or two years ago it's was EP. probably the fourth or fifth one. Mm. And I'm talking about it's London. I'm not even talking about PE. I'm gonna get to PE. Now, you are entrusting someone who comes from poverty to you give that person two bar that mm. listen let's run this let's do this let's do this let's do this let's do this this guy is going to agree to everything that you're saying and then the money comes into the business account or whatever then we've got issues with uh, embezzlement of funds mm. and who are those who's gonna who's gonna suffer the most it's obviously going to be the players thus far the only thing that is still standing in the Eastern Cape, in particularly in the old Transkai area, are those mobile gyms. It's mm. the only thing that's left. Uh, and even those are not in the greatest condition, but the weights are there. Um, because you'll get one guy who actually does care, who puts on two locks in that thing. 
make sure that no one breaks into the thing. Uh, we we got to, I don't know what is the ideal situation to, to tackle this thing, but we, we've got issues with embezzlement of funds. Mm. Uh, the people that are there right now are not able to handle the the scope of what we are asking for. Yet there's a great mm. example of how it should work, and that is Connect Academy out of Gaelicia. I don't know if you yeah. guys know them. Yeah. Uh, that, what, what a wonderful story that is, and, and one day we should probably explore it, exactly what it is. But to those listening, just go read it up. Um, just, just go Google it quickly. Mm. They, okay. They're producing amazing, amazing athletes, uh, and I'm going to say almost out of nothing. Uh, but it's because they do it properly. Okay, let's close it on a, on a positive note, please. Um, Johan, who's going to make the final and who's going to win it? World Cup. World Cup. I think, I think it's going to be South Africa and New Zealand, as, as we've been hoping for all along. And I think South Africa will win it. And, and I say this honestly, not just as a positive Springbok supporter. Um, it's just I think we've got, got a bit of a mental edge on them currently. Mm. And... Uh, I think Ireland and Japan and those guys, oh, the, the whole pool B is so worried about uh, each other that, that by the time they get to the playoffs, they would have all spent all their stuff. So we got this one Italy game, then we've got you know, two easy games left and then quite a bit of time before the quarters. We'll be well rested. We're sitting, we're sitting pretty, I think. Mm. Sim? Oh, I've got three options for, well, two options for who would make the makes no, final. No, let's, let's choose one. <laughs> let's choose one piece. Who's going to make the final? Who's going to win the thing? <sighs> Jesus, tough question. I'm tempted to say uh, New Zealand, um, England. No, but they, they're they most likely going well, to be like, the same. They're likely to clash now yeah, because the of the way that the, the, the draw is gone. Um, well, if that's the case, then that, that would be the Springboks and, and and the All Blacks. And I can't, like like Johan, I can't see the All Blacks going and beating, you know, I can't see the All Blacks going and beating the box twice in a row in this current mood between the two teams you know it's like it's quite tit for tat so you would imagine now that and also the you know the All Blacks would go in as, as so that was favorites. a very long way of explaining that you actually agree with me but thank yes. you yeah, thanks I, for I, that I, and you can not I think if Tulangi continues with the form that he's on now in the big games I've seen him do it in 2012 he beat New Zealand almost on his own mm. If he can continue with that form, I believe, with Tuilangi and the Vunipola brothers, mm. that I believe England can beat the All Blacks in the semi-final. And I think we're gonna. I think the Springboks will meet England in the final. And if they're trying to match us up front, we can we can win that final. That is it from my side. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. We can't. We got. We got some. We got some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Studios, that so. is it from me. So uh, thank you very to much. Story, please. Thank you very much, Johan, uh, for gracing us once again with your with your presence. Uh, Sim, thank you very much for coming through. But we will end off with a nice Simniki Wetlabanisa story to wrap things. All right. Well, speaking of um, of England and the All Blacks, years ago, um, you know, the two teams are going to play against each other. And Dan Luger, I don't know how many of you remember Dan yeah, Luger, winger. The, the winger, yeah, yeah, that used to play for, for, for England. So Dan Luger's having his one-on-one with um, Sir Clive Woodward now um, about how to tackle, you know, a very familiar issue at the time, um, which was, you know, the Jonah Lomu issue. And so he, he kind of says to him, look, I mean, have you got any sort of extra advice about how I should deal with this guy? And Clive Woodward says to him, you know what I do, I do. You know, um, I suggest that you take, you know, a handful of excrement and <laughs> throw it quickly into his eyes. And while he can't see, tackle him quickly to the ground and, you know, your job will be done. 
And Dan's like, yeah, but where am I going to get, you know, a handful of excrement on a rugby field? He says, don't worry, son. <laughs> when he starts coming down your channel, there'll be plenty of that around. <laughs> Cheers, everyone. <laughs>